0: Welcome back Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast and we are in week number whatever we're in. Uh, we're about halfway through the year and uh, today we're going to be talking uh, the next three weeks uh, as we finish out the month of June. We're going to be talking through some of Paul's epistles. Uh, so today we'll talk about uh, Philippians, then we'll go to Colossians, and then we'll talk about 1st and 2nd Timothy. So that's kind of what's on tap for the rest of the month of June. I believe I've got this right. I think Colossians is in there. And um, four weeks yeah I think that's right just pay attention to your rooted uh, guide in the in the connect magazine um, by the way that's the way you get the rooted uh, Bible reading you can go to slash rooted it's a place we have all the information about the um, Uh, The Bible Reading Plan. If you have ever any questions about the podcast, feel free to send that to BibleReading at LMBC.org. We'll be glad to answer any of those questions you have. We might be able to answer them just by sending you an email back, or if pertinent to what we're talking about, we might be able to answer it uh, on one of our podcasts. But today, uh, I've got Matt McClay with me, and we're going to walk through, uh, or at least talk through, I don't think we'll have enough time to walk through everything that's in Philippians. Absolutely not. You can (laughs) can take a whole year to do that with all the material that's here that's in the book of Philippians. Uh, just Just to help you understand Philippians in general, I mean, we're talking about back in Acts chapter 16 in the book of Acts when Paul first arrives at the city of Philippi. He arrives there, and, uh, you know, the first thing he does is he um, uh, heals this, this slave girl that's been following him around and that causes some ruckus because some of the businessmen in the area um, are upset uh, that now their, their fortune teller or their psychic, so to speak, has has now come to Jesus and she's no longer uh, helping them. And as a result, they get put in prison. And you know this famous story uh, of Paul and Silas in, in prison. But as a result of that whole instance in Acts chapter uh, 16, you find at the very end of that whole uh, narrative that Paul wants to make sure that the actual officials who threw him in the prison actually come back like the bigwigs, not just the soldier, like the bigwigs come back and let them out. And I think Paul's reason and his strategy behind that, and I find that sometimes in Philippians, is because he wanted to come back to that city later on. He wanted to have connection to that city later on. He didn't want to leave that city on bad terms, so to speak. And, and a lot of what we understand about Philippians, uh, more or less, it was a Roman retirement community. That's kind of what it was. You were a Roman citizen. You wanted to retire later in life. This is kind of where you moved to. And so there's a big Roman presence there. Now, one of the things I found, and you can get us started, Matt, but one of the things I found, and I've done this before, is I went through the whole book of Philippians, and I counted of the total of 104 verses in Philippians. There are more than 50 references to Christ by name. So there's definitely Christology, uh, the doctrine of Jesus, all over this epistle, and I, I'm sure you've got stuff about that as well. Um, and, and then as far as a theme, um, that's kind of up for debate, I think. Uh, some people think joy. Joy is, joy a, is, a, traditional, is a traditional theme. Traditional theme. I, have, I tend to go with the theme of selflessness or um, the selfless nature, like you see Paul's selfless nature, you see Jesus' selfless nature, be content and everything. It's kind of like, it's not about us. It's about Jesus, because that's who he's talked about so much throughout the book.
1: Another theme that you can notice in here is the Christ-centered life. Mm-hmm. In chapter yep. 1, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. Uh, chapter 2, being imitators of Christ and his humility. <laughs> uh, chapter 3, you're pressing toward the goal that Christ yep. has called you. So every facet of Paul's life has been Christ-centric and Christ,
0: uh, Christ-centered. And that, that theme carries all the way through through the book also. Yeah, and through a lot of his other epistles, you know, Absolutely. A, as well as we talk about them. So um, so there's some ideas for themes, and as you read through, you might get a different vibe, a different theme as a result, but there's some there's just some of the traditional ones uh, that are there. So let's just walk through, let's just go through each chapter and kind of just highlight some of the things. Um, you know, you get started with chapter one, and you know, we're reading about Paul's prayer for the Philippians and the fact that they uh, he's in prison, uh, but the good thing is that you know he's he's in prison for a reason. And I think one one of the interesting things he says several times: "I thank my God, uh, you know, for you and remembrance of you." You know, when he's thinking about others, he's 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 making a public statement about them. You know, he's being specific, um, and he's also saying something I like. He's saying that God's going to one day redeem all of this. And sometimes we get into situations, and Paul's in prison here and he's under house arrest. How can good come from that? And yet here's a guy that's fully encouraged, fully happy and excited. Not that he doesn't get down, because he does. Um, and he's excited that he can actually be used for God's glory even where he's at. And in some of the situations we find ourselves, we think about how in the world can I be used for God's glory in this place or here? Or how can God use us in Huntington, West Virginia, you know, <laughs> we might say. But there's a truth to it all here that Paul says that that this was part of his plan, part of God's plan. And so long as the gospel is advancing, Paul says, I'm happy, I'm content. You also
1: notice in here, his you, you, you see the sweetness of Christian fellowship and Christian community. Yeah. Uh, a lot of I've, I've heard the phrase before, and especially during the pandemic, I, I heard it quite often, is mm-hmm. that is that you don't have to go to a building to have <laughs> Church and right. that may be technically yeah. correct, but church is the gathering of believers, and the Christian life was not meant to be lived uh, alone, lived in a silo. And you can see here, Paul, now who so yearns to be with the the people of God and with these people, and relatively speaking, he hadn't didn't spend an extended you know, in comparison to other places. Yeah, you know, he was with he wasn't with them for that long, but he. Created such, they had such a bond, and the bond was more than superficial. It wasn't based around preferences. It wasn't based around uh, really a lot of commonalities. It was based on the one major commonality, the only important one, and it was that bond in Christ. And you see, there's this. He he wanted so much to be able to return to them and to be able to see them again, but he couldn't. So he's praying for them. He's thinking of them. Every time he thinks of them, he he thinks of joy. And we could probably Mm, think of you know people in our lives um, who were who who are a part of our Church, or maybe people that, that 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 we grew up with in church, or that were part of our com- church community here, who have passed on, and how how when we think of those yeah. people, that 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 joy comes to our our, our our minds when we remember those people,
0: or or we realize we're getting
1: older. Well, that, that, that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you said something uh, just about the pandemic, about the fellowship, and I heard something. I think it was yesterday. I'm just thinking about this. Yesterday on the radio, they were asking a question. It was on Christian radio about something like, has your relationship developed better while you haven't been to church? And I thought, that's kind of an odd question to ask. Mm-hmm. Like maybe personally, because you've had more time uh, to devote to reading of Scripture and, and being uh, and having prayer time. But really, you can't really develop fully as a Christian, like Paul's saying here, unless you have fellowship together. Um, with one another. I mean, the church, we were made to be relational beings, uh, to have fellowship together, whether, you know, we're here together or we're thinking, like you said, thinking about ones that have passed on. They give us encouragement. We think about them. It brings us joy and happiness and knowing one day we'll see them type of thing. Um, And I just thought that question was kind of, I mean, as a pastor, I'm thinking like, what a a ridiculous question, if I'm extremely honest. Like, (laughs) what, what are you talking about? But then, I see what they were trying to get at and what they were trying to show, um, because not everybody sees it that way mm-hmm. um, some like you said, some people see it, see it as as well i don 't really have to go to church, you know, I can have my own relationship with jesus well that's that's exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be like what god didn't or excuse me christ didn't start the church. To be all individual little churches. Absolutely, we have a lot of denominations. It reminds <laughs> me in,
1: in verse twenty seven of chapter one, the apostle Paul is he's 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 urging them, he's challenging them to live a life manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So there's that. Yeah, our response to our relationship with Jesus yeah. the, the, that was won through the gospel. And what are the out, what's the outflow of that is that you're standing firm in one spirit and striving side by side. So there there's that the working together as yeah. a community of
0: believers. The Christian life is meant to be lived side by side. It's a battle. You're, you're together in the battle yep. with it. I mean, so much more is accomplished through that than just on your own, period. I mean, look with Israelites in the Old Testament. They all came together when they were all unified and came together, they could win the battle. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. I mean, you know, when we have kids, you know, and 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 you're a parent, you know, you have a teammate to help you in this battle, right? Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it can be a battle. <laughs> uh, so you need somebody on your on your side and your team, especially when they outnumber you. I don't outnumber me and my wife. We're evened up team by team. Uh, right now, you outnumber Yeah, we, yours. Prefer, we prefer to double-team the one we have. So. <laughs> well, as we get into chapter 2, chapter 2 is probably one of the most famous sections in the book of Philippians, at least um, uh, memorized sections, too, as well. It talks about how Christ emptied himself. And, and to me, this is the epitome of being a servant, doing everything for someone else. And to me, going back to the theme I kind of am pushing towards is that idea of selflessness. Here's the most selfless act that Jesus did. He, you know, came down from heaven from glory. He he robed himself in flesh, you know, kind of dehumanized himself. Maybe if I can use that term in a different way here today. Dehumanized (laughs) himself and took upon the form of a human and, and then went to the cross and died for a sinful, sinful people. And he did it willingly. He didn't have to coerce him or, or push him. You know, and all through the Gospels, he's doing the Father's plan, doing the Father's will, doing the Father's will. Of course he has questions. Of course he has concerns, you know, like in the garden. Can we do this any other way, God? And, and, and he says, no, this is the way. Okay, your will be done. And so he's just so faithful to it time and time again. And, and, and yet all that he did for us, I mean, completely selfless, and yet sometimes we have so much struggle being selfless towards others. Absolutely, preferring one another is, is such a difficult thing. It seems
1: that that verse mm. verse three is so countercultural.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: and you know, this was in a in a church context context of brothers and sisters in Christ striving together. True, it says in humility count others more. This is my ESV version. Yeah. In humility, count others more significant. Than yourselves, and just to be transparent, that's a struggle. <laughs> that's a struggle for me every day because I live inside my own mind, and I, yeah, I, I think about what I need to accomplish and, and what my goals and my yep. dreams are, and yep. what my needs are. And w- we are commanded as believers to, when we <laughs> gather together, to put to to put our ambitions and our, our 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 plans and our dreams aside, and to
0: consider others. You know, and it's and it's hard because mine says. Um, In verse three, it says, "Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take Mm -hmm. an interest in the others too." It's hard to take an interest in something you don't really like. You know, it's one thing if we take an interest in fishing. I mean, you like fishing, I like fishing. We can have an interest in that because there's similarities to that. But like, if it was something completely different, that's hard to take an interest into something that maybe and maybe it's maybe it's a husband relationship type thing we can think about because there are things that my wife likes that I could care less about. You know, and, But you still, because you love her, you take an interest in it. And I think that needs to be extended far beyond the marriage relationship into, like Paul is saying here, into our brothers and sisters in the church to take an interest in things of them, at least to take the time and slow down. Absolutely. And, and try to develop that relationship with them. Jesus is, when
1: it says here that we're supposed to follow his example, you look in the Gospels of the conversations that Jesus had with people, and you have to admit he was genuinely interested in people, and he was asking questions of people, which he already knew the answer to, but it it shows not just his passive knowledge of people, but his active concern and care and interest in others. Uh, I think about John 4, the woman at the well, all the questions... Um, that 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 he asked her, and you know, poor Simon Peter, he, he asked question after question, you <laughs> yes, know, of Simon, yes, and did. do you love me? Do you love me? Do yeah. you love me? Jesus always took an interest in in others. When really they should they should have been the one taking interest in him he was right. the son of God he right. was the most interest yeah the most interesting person in the world
0: yeah and that's the selfless nature of it yeah here's here's the one who uh, can be worshiped and can command that to be worshiped he's the one that they should be worshiping but yet he is asking and being concerned about them and that's the that's the wonder of it all to me I mean uh, when I think about that I think you know how how can I be more and more selfless like Christ and taking an interest into others? That's hard. You know, sometimes that's difficult. But there are two other examples in chapter 2 as well of uh, of servants. You've got Timothy and you've got Epaphroditus, who Paul kind of singles out. We know Timothy was on um, that first missionary journey. Actually, he... Uh, jumped onto the missionary journey earlier in Acts 16, that second missionary journey. And so I think that's why he's talking about him. He had contact here with Philippi, as well as Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus sounds like a, a really loyal fellow as you he read does. through that text. And and he almost died, it said, um, uh, trying to, to help them. Um, and... Uh, He's been longing to see this church. So, you know, and as you read through Paul's epistles, you find that I I think that at least this is the case from what I understand is that Paul kind of has like a point man at some of those churches that he sends his guys to kind of like a, a good organizational structure. You know, he sends Timothy is taking care of this church, and, hey, Timothy, go up here, or Titus, go up here and check on them. Because all these churches, Paul it's not a one-man show. Absolutely And not. he's got a team with him to help him. And I think sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we think here's an authoritative dictator, Paul, just going through and just telling everybody, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But he's got a team behind, well behind the scenes. I think you can count nine or ten different individuals throughout Paul's epistles that have been helped to him kind of like regional, you know, taking care of a couple of cities in this area, a couple that are here or later on. Uh, and so I think that's important um, uh, for seeing. But yeah, here, here's two other great examples to me of selflessness of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Again, functioning within the church, that that whole idea of being in community uh, with each other. And in verse 20, to that point of chapter
1: 2, he's giving the reason for why he's sending. T- he wants to send Timothy to them, and it ties back into the beginning of the chapter, looking out for the mm-hmm. interest of others. Yes. He says, I have no one like him. Hmm. What set Timothy apart and what made, him, uh, what made him special was that it says, he will be, he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Uh, Timothy wasn't just doing it to satisfy Paul, to fulfill an assignment, to maybe get a little more experience on his pastoral resume. Right, right, right. Yeah, he was genuinely concerned for the needs of others, and that yeah. Yeah, that was the mark. That was one of the marks of Christlikeness.
0: And somebody you want on your on, on your side, an advocate yeah. almost. You know, someone who's going to, but more than an advocate. You know, because an advocate, I feel like it's just kind of a job or something you have to do, but more than an advocate because um, uh, he has a genuine concern for them. And, and I think that's a good connection, you know. And again, going, the, all you have all these different characters that you'll find as you read through Paul's epistles that Paul knows that they have a connection. And he's making sure. Even Epaphroditus, who almost died, you know, trying to help them. A messenger, you know, as well. Now you get in chapter 3, um, and chapter 3 sounds like Paul's, you know, talking about all of his accomplishments, you know. Of course, we know why he's doing it, because at the end he's like, all these things that, you know, I've accomplished are really nothing in comparison to Christ. And, uh, but I think what he's saying is that if there's anybody that could boast about accomplishments or about successes in life, it's me. Uh, but Paul says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite, and so I think Paul's setting up himself here as an example of selflessness, that, you know, I could have and I could boast. I mean, look at all that I have, and you can read down through the list. But he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Think about that. because I like the way the NLT says it. I consider them worthless. Worthless because of what Christ has done for me. And he learned worthless. the hard way, too. And he did. <laughs> because yeah. he, he was very
1: religiously involved, yeah. um, but that life led him... Not that those were bad and he doesn't he doesn't he's not making a comparison saying, you know, doing things you know, to to serve to serve God are, are bad. What he's saying right. is compared right. to this knowledge of, of Christ and this real right. you know, the, the relationship, intimacy with with God, yeah. um, nothing else can compare. It's it's a bit of hyperbole <laughs> yeah. um, that he that he puts in here because you know, not to get too detailed into that into that that word for yeah. counted as nothing or in my version counted as rubbish. Right. That was one of the. It it has. I think the King James referred. I count it but dung. Yeah, but dung. It, yeah. it was something especially to a Jewish audience that would have been so, so detestable. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's hyperbole. It. He's going to an extreme to say yeah. compared to the knowledge of Christ, yeah. anything even even relatively
0: good things. Yeah. There's nothing more important than knowing God. And those things should have drawn him closer. They could have been mm-hmm. used to, like spiritual disciplines today are used as a means, a method to draw you closer in your relationship to Christ. But Paul's saying, like he's saying, those things weren't used in that way. He said those were used, things were just used for pure knowledge and pure understanding. And, and you know, because we, we know many academic people who will read and study the Bible but not believe it. You know, I think, wow, what a waste of time, yeah. you know? Or, or or they'll write a commentary on a Bible book and not believe what they write. I think, why did you even waste your time on that? Yep. We had a (laughs) just last night at our uh,
1: student ministry. We had a senior night. We honored some some of our seniors. And one of our seniors, they each get a block on the wall in our 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 second floor, and they're allowed to write whatever they want.
0: And he wrote (laughs) Uh a statement that I
1: thought was really good. He he said he he said uh, he said don't don't practice abstract theology. Practice active theology. Wow, that's good. So it's possible to know everything there is to know in the Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, to study the Bible all your life and still not, and what a sad thing, still not know Mm -hmm. the God of the Bible.
0: Yeah. Theology has to be relevant. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Um, But otherwise, and of course theology is important because Based upon what you believe is how you practice, like mm-hmm. active, how you live. And of course, the rest of that chapter is because Paul's pressing yep. towards that goal, you know, continuing sanctification, being set apart daily, not getting sidetracked by what the world is doing and pressing forward to that goal. It's not his goal but it's it's the goal of life in Christ, of sanctification, of being set apart. you know it's almost like Paul's saying, these what I thought earlier in my life were my yeah. goals, but now these are not my goals. What my goal is is to be uh, more and more uh, holy, more and more separated unto christ and and his will is the will that I need to be following is what he's saying. It's very impactful too that he's where he is in his life when
1: he's saying this he's Possibly at the end of his life, yeah, his, his he he knows that the end of his life could be imminent. Yeah, and he's saying that even though yeah I've, I I've had quite a good run here, you know, I've, I've, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I I planted a lot of churches. You know, I was able oh, to yeah. travel Goodness, the world yeah. and share the gospel of Jesus, and we would think you know, no one has accomplished more maybe, um, in, in the no. church than the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he had direct revelation from, from Jesus, yep. and we find him here in verse 12 of chapter 3 saying, not that I've, all, I've already obtained all this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on To make it my own. So he's still moving Mm. forward, even though he may, he he, he thinks he may be at the end of his life. You have me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I may be at the end of my life. I've done incredible things, but there's still more. There's still more. I'm not going to stop
0: pressing forward. Never be satisfied. Paul's a great example of never being spiritually satisfied. Of all the people, like you said, to say, okay, it's time for my retirement from spiritual life, Uh, Paul would be the first one on the list. But he says, I'm not done. Which means when you retire, for example, when you retire from your job, guess what? Now you have more opportunity to serve in the church, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Because that... That's a great way of looking at it, because you're never going to spiritually retire you're never going to exhaust god's word. there's always going to be more in God's word each and every day, even that same passage twenty five different times mm-hmm. you're going to find yep. something else from it uh, god's word is 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 e- exhaustless if that's even a word <laughs> we, we just made it a word <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> there is there is there's so much that's there, and yet here's paul and, and I mean, you think about all that he traveled. I think I remember reading a statistic about all of his travels and things. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of miles. And he just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Yeah. Always forward, always forward. I remember that when I was 13 years old, okay, so we had a, um, a youth outing, all right? This was a, um, a two-week like youth camp, okay? It's like an all-night thing. We went up into Canada, okay? It's supposed to be like a retreat, you know? It ended up being like, well, I can tell you more about that story later. It ended up <laughs> being longer than what I thought was. i was about 13 years old, and we went on this, this trek through this park in Canada, okay? Spent two weeks doing this, and so we would camp, we would pick up our canoes, canoe over the lake, and pick up our canoe, walk over the portage, to the next one, and we'd go through, and we did this for two weeks, trying to get alone with God for like a retreat. I was 13 years old, okay, so I wasn't as big as I am now. I couldn't handle as much as I could, and uh, I remember when when he told us at the end, we had, you know, gone some hundred, so many miles through, uh, over the water, and, and so many 50, 60 miles we had trekked over land, and uh, now as a 13-year-old, when I got done with that trip and I went home, of course, you know, 13-year-olds can eat anything and everything, right? Yeah. We don't like them because uh, yeah. of that. <laughs> I bet you don't. <laughs> my mom puts a plate in front of me, a, you know, a plate, and I can only eat like half of it. Like at that time, the the my parents would take me to um, all-you-can-eat places, and that's how they would actually be able to afford me because I would eat the whole place <laughs> out. So all-you-can-eat places. But I remember um, I remember going on that trip um, and and—, and to me the, the, the getting alone, getting alone with God uh, the, that was that was significant in my life but I remember um, uh, you know that whole process I, I, I can't even compare it to what it was like for Paul who was constantly interacting with new people. I mean we had a group of like 12 or 13 you know and we were having conversations all around the trip but you talk about Paul always meeting someone new and nobody on the trip was trying to like deter us you know, yeah, we saw some bear droppings and some moose, and and so we saw some other life of people that had been there through, you know, but there wasn't like a, you know, an animal chasing us down. I mean, but yet you had people from city to city with Paul not liking what he's saying, and they go to the next city, yeah. and they chase him down and cause more ruckus in that city. And so he had constant constant uh, frustration, constant people on him all the time, and yet he still persisted time after time after time after time again. And like you said, you know, he's towards the end of his life here. We know that because we can look back on it and say, yeah, we know he dies four or five years later, and he says, you know, I still have more to go. You're like, what more can you do? What more can you go? You've got so much already accomplished. You can relax. Well, you know, I talk about... um, when I get to heaven, that's when I'll actually sleep. You know, I don't spend a whole lot of time sleeping nowadays with the (laughs) schedule, but then again, you can't sleep in heaven, right? Because it says that we'll have no need for rest or anything because we'll be with Christ. So it's kind of a catch 22 situation, but, (laughs) but now's not the time to be, to, to get exhausted. And if anybody's an example, Paul is of, listen, your spiritual life doesn't stop when you retire. And, uh, You got to keep on going and going and going and going, and and and, you know that to me that also pushes right into chapter four because you know he's talking about again talking about words of encouragement, Uh, you know, telling them you know keep this unity, keep kind of like he's saying, keep keep yourself connected to the church. You know, even towards the end of your life, you still need a connection to the church. You still need a connection to fellowship to believers. You know, he's he's calling out two women who are, who are arguing. You know, come on, get get back together. You know, you know, let let let's let's reconcile this and be unified. All these different things, dear brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true. And, and I see chapter four. A lot of chapter four is kind of like, listen, you know, towards the end, you got to stay connected to everything. You got to stay connected to everybody. Uh, it's so easy to go off retire on your own, you know, retirement, and that's another thing. You know, you retire and you want to go move somewhere else and and live you and your wife by yourself. I mean, it might be good for a couple of years, but really? For the rest of your life? I don't know. i get kind of bored, maybe. But needless to say, that that goes into chapter 4, and uh, uh, I think that um, selflessness, that idea, is shown by your contentment in Christ. And the more um, content you are in Christ, the more selfless you'll end up being.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's a section in here that really speaks to the the time and the age that we live in, deals with yeah. anxiety. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he, for sure. It's interesting that this, this section on uh, not being anxious and turning our requests over to God with thanksgiving is also tied in with the things that we consume. This is whatever's honorable, just, pure, lovely, mm-hmm. commendable, Excellent, worthy of praise. To think about those things, and he says, "What well, you've received and heard from me, and seen in me, practice these things." So it has to do with where we, where we direct our attention, and there has never been a time where there's more that competes for our attention uh, than today, with with podcasts and streaming and devotionals online, and, <laughs> and there's just so many things, so many ways that we could direct our eyes, yeah. um, direct our ears, and we have a, a, a test here. Uh, we, ha- we have a, a way yeah. in which that we can filter yeah. what we consume through this, um, and not just, not just the media that we consume, but even the people that we allow to influence us. In verse 9, he says, what yeah. you've seen, learned, received, heard, and seen in me... Mm. Practice these things. Could we say the same things about the people that we're we're allowing to
0: influence us? It sets the bar higher for us too, because then you got to worry about now. My example, people are following my example. You know, I have to make sure that what I'm doing is Mm -hmm. right in line with everything else that's doing. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, I think that sometimes we tend to avoid the bad things, but then not do the good things. Mm -hmm. We just tend to be, you know, let's just avoid that. Okay, instead of like. Uh, leaning into the Word of God, into. That's why we have these podcasts, that's why we have these readings, that's why we have these uh, videos every week to help you, to help keep you leaning in to God's Word, because the more you lean into it, the more it's absorbed into your mind, into your thinking, into your daily practice, the easier you can fight off yep. uh, you know, the enemy, as well as coming to church, fellowship, relationships, to fight off the enemy. If you just say, spend all your energy fighting off the enemy, but then don't do anything proactively to get back involved, it's not It's not going to work, and so uh, you know, Paul spent his whole life, and I think maybe that's why Paul kept moving, kept moving and doing, moving and doing, moving and doing, moving and doing, because he knew once he stopped, uh oh, I may stop actually going forward, you know, and and God forbid we be stagnant in our Christian life, as the you know Hebrews chapter two says, don't you know let this salvation, this so great salvation, just slowly slide by. You know, it can go so quickly. And I think I think he's kind of talking about like your growing can, can, can be stagnant. It can be so slow. Or you don't even notice what's happening. And I think the picture there is like of a, a, a person in a, in a boat in the middle of a lake. And, you know, they sit back and take a little nap. And before you know it, they're on the other side of the lake because it's slowly drifted away. And I think in our salvation experience, it's the same way. Uh, Not the profession of faith, you know, accepting Jesus, but I'm talking about the sanctification part, living out, following Jesus, being set apart every day. If we're not active in it, we can then we step back and realize, whoa, I haven't been doing anything, and look how far off I am. And you can easily drift away. Um, Because there is an end to our salvation. You know, there is an end point where we'll be transformed to be like Christ. There is a goal. There is an end in it. Um, but here's Paul, you know, not in the situation that we would want ourselves to be in, probably, uh, in house arrest, but yet he is satisfied in Jesus no matter the situation.
1: He's learned the secret to being content, is what he says. Yeah. Um, in every situation. Um, I can do all things, verse 13, through Christ who strengthens me. So I, I have yeah. a, somebody gave me a coffee mug, and on the coffee mug it says, I can do all things through a verse taken ca- out of context. <laughs> um, because this it's verse true. has been yeah, sometimes used by people as, as kind of a diving board into yeah. just kind of whatever they want to do. Uh, but yeah. if you look at the verses that surround it, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me speaking of his situation he says yeah. i know what it's i know how to be brought low and i know how to abound in any and all circumstances yep. i've learned the secret of face uh, of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need yep. i can do all things through christ who strengthens me so it's in the context of the difficult situations yeah. Um, and being content in God, that we we can be content in God in any situation because we can do all things through Him.
0: And it's within the bigger context of that advancement of the gospel that Paul's been talking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in the advancement of the gospel, not just in everyday life, but in that mission of the gospel, you know, it's to be content because, you know, God has a plan in it, and He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you strength to endure some of those difficult things in that ministry, you know, of advancing the gospel. I mean, Obviously, there are difficult things today that nobody wants because of sin nature and just because of, of humanity, but but here, you know, it, great, you know, you have to look at the verse in context, um, another Old Testament verse, and use graduation time way out of context, too, in Jeremiah 29, the plans I have for you, Lord. But we won't get into that verse today. We're not talking about Jeremiah. <laughs> We're talking about this verse, and that's why this, this podcast was good, because we walked through the whole book of Philippians, and so when you're reading a verse like this, you have to understand it in Absolutely. context. Absolutely have to understand it in context so anything else from this passage before we or for in this book before we're finished um, I notice he mentions Epaphroditus at the last point here in the end of chapter four he says at the moment now my verse says uh, uh, my version says in verse 18 of chapter 4 at the moment I have all I need mm-hmm. and more yeah I mean here's Paul at the end saying I've got everything I need how many of us can say that you know I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Um, They are sweet-smelling sacrifices, acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And to me, that's a great way uh, of Paul closing the book, saying, listen, I have everything I need. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Always has been, always
1: will be. Yeah. You find someone here who is facing possible imminent execution. He under is. house arrest, <laughs> his basic needs are being taken care of by God through his people, through his yep. church, exactly. um, and he, he is sure. at the end of his life, and he's at peace, yeah. and uh, that's, that's the result of the Christ-centered And Christ-centered there's not a life. list
0: of things that he has, not yeah. a will, not a, not a list of his state or anything. Yeah. It's just you know, his basic needs are supplied, and his relationship with Christ is, is what's most important to him. And may that be a lesson for us. Our relationship with Christ is what's most important, not the things that this world has to offer. And I know the things that this world have to offer sometimes are nice, and they're not bad or wrong to have those things. But again, in the end, Paul's saying, all I really need is, is my basic necessities and my relationship with Christ. And may that be our prayer uh, for this week. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this podcast session on the book of Philippians. Next time it's going to be on Colossians. So have a good week. Read through Colossians. Uh, I encourage you. uh, One of the things that I did when I read through is circled all the times that Jesus or the name of Christ shows up. That's an interesting way of doing it. You can also look through uh, and highlight some other things as well. Uh, But that's all we've got for this week. So we'll see y'all next time.